life of a professional artist can seem romantic and thrilling. And while it's true that in many ways it is, it can also be a life filled with challenges and complexities that often feel heavy and discouraging. Join us for Outset, a podcast dedicated to helping fledgling artists develop a healthy, creative approach to their art and careers. If you're an artist who suffers from depression, do you struggle to find a way out of the fog? Is it difficult to find a way back to a productive, creative space? If you don't have depression, but know an artist who does, how can you best support and encourage them through their struggle? Welcome to Outset, a conversation for the developing artist. I'm Emily Wheeler. And I'm Scott Ferris. Um, Thanks uh, for joining us today. This is the second part of a two-part series that we're talking about, about the artistic life and depression. Um, And uh, last time was real cathartic for me, Emily. Thank you for letting me discuss, you know, my personal Oh, I got a lot out of it. Uh, I'm so grateful that you were so open and sharing. I'm I'm really hopeful that our listeners, if they haven't had the chance to listen to that episode, will, will take time to do so. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, I, I think it's um, pretty common for artists to struggle with depression. And I think it's important um, that we realize um, there is a de- difference between depression and just feeling depressed. You know Absolutely. what I mean? There's, there's a real thing going on here um, and that depression is an illness. Um, I didn't choose to have this. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, I certainly wouldn't go, you know, hey, let me look at the wall of personal traits and <laughs> I want C depression, you know, oh, for sure, um, sure. uh, the, one of the things I do know about my personal experience with it, however, is that I can choose to follow it. Um, and what I mean by that, and I'm just speaking strictly on my, of my own personal experience is that when I feel it coming on, uh, and I've had it for a long time now, so I kind of understand the arc of it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And sometimes it hits me and I'm not aware because I'm distracted or whatever. But a lot of times I can feel it coming on. Um, I, I have a moment where I, I have a choice. I can either choose to hopefully find a way to to manage it or or move forward, or I can choose to just let my brain circle around yeah. the, around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that many times. And I think those of us that struggle, struggle with depression will understand what that drain mm-hmm. um, uh, feels like. And, and so it's, it's real easy for me to, to follow that and, and, um, and unfortunately follow it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to talk today about uh, are some of the the you know tools for coping that I've personally tried to develop. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to say that this all works every time. Um, it certainly doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't a you know magic bullet situation. This is a situation of a process. It's kind of a daily thing for me. But do you feel like you do at this point? I mean, because you've you've battled this for several decades. Yeah. At at this point, do you feel like you have um, kind of in your toolbox a certain set of management tools that tend to be pretty um, successful? I I actually do. Yeah. I'd like to discuss those because I do think I have some some valid stuff that works for me. I don't know if it will work for everybody out there. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm not a professional. I'm just a... (laughs) A dumb guitar player and painter and like guy who records things who, who, um, who struggles, uh, with that pit. Um, 
and so, yeah, I want to talk about a couple of those um, and, and be pretty transparent. Um, one is kind of the common thing that everybody talks about, and that is therapy. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's really, really important if you are struggling with the illness of depression. Um, there are professionals out there that can, that can really help you manage this. Um, the one thing I have learned about counseling, um, I've been in counseling for several years and it, at, at various points in my life, I've, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes very successful, sometimes not as successful, but that success seemed dependent on the fit with the therapist. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I've, I've worked with, uh, you know, I've gone um, into counseling with someone that I didn't connect with that didn't, mm-hmm. um, maybe understand either my personality or kind of what was going on, or maybe they didn't understand the artistic temperament, which yeah. you do have to give some passes once in a while <laughs> to us weirdos out here. Um, and, and it really wasn't successful. So I think, um, one of the themes I want to talk about is m- being responsible for your own health and managing that. And just because, you get a referral to a specific counselor does not mean that that's the right counselor for you. It's that's not the only option in the world. To me, I think you should shop around and you should Mm -hmm. try several and find someone that gets you on some kind of level and that you are responding to that, that, um, that (laughs) they can speak with authority into your life and, and are, and are also willing to earn that. Mm-hmm. Because I think trust is something that has to be earned. Sure. Um, yeah, it's essential. The dynamic fits and yeah. it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Um, so I do think that that can be really, really helpful because I think we have we need to talk about our depression. That's uh-huh. something that's crucial yeah, to Yeah, so there are several places of employment that w- make therapy available to employers. But if you are self-employed as an artist and you can't tap into that, how do people go about getting getting a therapist. Yeah, it, it can be really tough and daunting fiscally, especially for artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, I'm actually one of the few people that doesn't complain about Obamacare at this time. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. It actually has been uh, how Amy and I, my wife, have been able to afford healthcare as a small business. And it's been very helpful uh, for us. That being said, my therapy is not covered under insurance. Mm-hmm. So I struggle to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I also recognize that every dark hour that I spend unable to work yeah. is a deeper pit sure. than, than, you know, than spending the money on, Absolutely. on therapy. There are also a lot of organizations uh, and, and offices that will do work on a sliding scale mm-hmm. based on your income. If you happen to be a younger artist who doesn't have a lot of fiscal resources, um, I, there are still folks out there that will help. Um, and so I think it's, I think it's important to look at that. Uh, and I think, you know, you should talk to your medical doctor. Medical doctor can help you actually identify who might work on a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's great advice. And just a reminder to our listeners that if you're a student, colleges, universities, these campuses, this is a resource they have to make available. So if you are a student, you have access to counseling. 
Yeah, and uh, and it's free. It's paid for in your mm-hmm. in your tuition. <laughs> so you should yeah. take advantage of that because yeah. you're already paying for it. <laughs> you get your money's worth, no uh, doubt. Yeah, for sure. So uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about therapy. It as we discuss that, however, I don't want to just go. Yes, you just speak privately with a professional, and ah, you're <laughs> you're done. Oof. You know, I um, uh, I I personally have have gotten a lot of help from that, but I think um, uh, that community can be a big part of that as well. I think mm-hmm. you had an observation that you saw. Yeah, Scott and I earlier were talking about an article that I had read. It was an interview with a man from Rwanda, and it was really fascinating. He was talking about the crisis their country experienced with genocide. And following those atrocities, there were several health professionals from Western parts of the world who came to the country with good intentions. They wanted to sit down with the community members. They wanted to provide counseling and therapy and help heal these people who had been so traumatized. And in this interview, this man was talking about how at one point they just had to ask the health professionals to leave um, just because it was so different than how they as a community had a tradition of healing. You know, what what was being expected or asked of them at this time was to go meet with a counselor and to go privately with this counselor into a room kind of locked somewhere in a building and just the two of them would sit there and talk about, you know, what had been seen and what had been felt and what had been experienced. And this man in the interview was talking about how that was so different and foreign to how their community was used to healing. There were three things that they had really leaned on historically to seek solace and comfort after hardship, and it was sun, drums, and dancing. And it was just really interesting to hear him, or to read, I was reading the article, it was interesting to read what he had to say about the power of being outside, you know, and being in the sun and feeling kind of the magnitude of it, the strength of it, the, the warmth of it, the life in it, the healing, you know, the healing potential in it. And how also as a community, they had learned that drumming was very effective in getting their blood going and circulating. And the physicality of it was, was somehow very deeply healing and powerful for them. And how dancing with someone, you know, looking at them in the eye and touching them and just expressing life through this choreography with them was so instrumental in being able to take any angst or pain and kind of purge it. And how these experiences, the the sun, the drumming, the dancing, instilled this sense of community and togetherness. Like they had all kind of taken the day off to come together and recognize the pain they shared and to support each other as they tried to navigate through it. You know, and it was just, it was really interesting to to kind of read how this community leaned on those things for healing. And I don't, I don't know, I'm not a professional. I don't know if those people um, with whom he was speaking about, they're clinically, medically, um, depressed. Chemically. Um, yeah. Right. You know, obviously situational depression sure. was there, no doubt. And maybe that had birthed some of these other kinds of depression, but, but either way, they really valued those things in their community to heal. And, you know, it's interesting cause we don't live, you know, here in America in a place where culturally that's readily available. You're not right. going to go outside and see a community of people eager to just bask in the sun and drum together and dance together. So right. maybe we don't have those same opportunities. And and therefore, what you're describing, the therapy, the counseling, there's wisdom 
No doubt in, in seeking that and taking advantage of all your resources. But I did find it interesting, right? This reminder that there are other things that have healing power and, and it's nice to use all your resources, all of them that you possibly can tap into whatever you can to try to heal and try to purge pain, you know, that's just nesting inside of you. And if it means getting out in nature, and feeling the sun. Um, Scott, I know you like the mountains. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's just a power in sitting on a mountain or in front of the ocean or just outside and recognizing there's things bigger than your pain. Um, And just letting nature provide some of the comforts that it can. There's power in, maybe you're not going to sit around and drum, but something that gets your blood moving. It might be exercise. It might be, you know, just swimming or walking or going to the gym or, or whatever it is. But that idea that you're going to get your blood kind of flowing is, I think, an important reminder. And and this idea that community matters. And it may not be that you have the resources and opportunity to dance with a bunch of people. Maybe you do, and that's great. But if not, there there are other ways that you can tap into community. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. Um, I, I think we in Western society have a tendency to always have this viewpoint that everything that we do is the best way, it's superior, mm-hmm. and it's simply not the truth. I personally have received a, a tremendous amount of help um, uh, through therapy, um, but it's I love this idea of sun, drums, and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's probably not sun. I'm not a sun worshiper. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm. I might be more like, hey, let's go out at night, in the middle of the mountains, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of guy. Um, but there is something about sitting at twelve thousand feet. Um, you know, to the point where, yeah, I'm struggling to get enough oxygen up here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and looking out at at that beautiful array of of peaks and valleys and and streams and snow. Uh, that really helps me connect with how small and in, insignificant I am. And I, that seems like an oxymoron that that experience <laughs> would make my depression worse. Oh, I'm small. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, it really kind of puts things in perspective yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and so there is a thing about, um, you know, obviously we live in Texas uh, and, and in, in uh, West Texas where we, it's somewhat of a desert here. <laughs> um, and so for me, I, I do have to get outside once in a while. And, and there's a, a lot of points in my life where I need to, having grown up partly in Colorado, I have to go back there mm-hmm. to reconnect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And to, mm-hmm. to be able to hike and, and, you know, smell the pine trees. Yeah. So there is something about that I agree with. And I, I love the idea of the drums uh, as well, because we are rhythmic beings. Sure. Our, our body is a clock. It's yeah. const, It's constantly in rhythm. Um, so I love that aspect. And I also, one thing I notice with depression is that many times it's coupled with insomnia mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the inability to sleep. Um, I'm already a workaholic, which makes it worse. So and we'll talk about that at a, at a later episode <laughs> when we find out really how awful I am. Um, uh, it's very exposing here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, I, I struggle with sleep and I could see where if that, if that was a part of what you did as a community that, you know, there is something to exhausting yourself. Mm-hmm that 
your body will fall apart and sleep at some point, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so how, yeah. how beautiful. And same thing with dance. I, I, I just love that idea too, that, that, um, that interaction with other human beings is part of it because that is, I do believe that seeking community with others mm-hmm. is important. Um, to me, if you're a musician playing with music with other people, can be really healing. Absolutely. And it can be a really dark piece. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that that kind of otherworldly connection, it, it once again, I think it's similar to that mountaintop of, you know, how insignificant I really am Right. thing. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think that's beautiful. You know, and I have found that when you are spending time in nature, there's an interesting connection between nature observation and meditation. And, and it kind of opens the window for greater meditative time. And I, I certainly think, you know, again, I don't deal with or battle clinical depression, but even when I'm just feeling blue, I have found that meditation is really powerful in helping kind of declutter my head and make sense of, you know, what I, what I am feeling and to kind of process life and get into a healthier space. I've had the exact same experience, um, a, a, a therapist that I've worked with actually taught uh, a course on mindfulness and mm-hmm. meditation. And I actually took the class and that was another tool in my tool belt. And I, I, I'm not talking, you know, here's an Instagram picture of me <laughs> meditating on a mountaintop. So, so I can right. show you my best life because that's all BS. There's <laughs> right. nothing real going on there. Uh, yeah. But I mean it very sincerely that sometimes being able to just breathe for five minutes can help me take the edge off of that thing that's nipping at my heels. And, and for me, um, well, basically what he taught me to do was sit and inhale and exhale and actually count the breaths, Mm -hmm. but only go to five and then start over. Mm -hmm. Because if you count to a hundred, you start, well, I got to get to a (laughs) hundred. Now you've got a goal. It's really not about that. Yeah. And at some point in there, your brain is going to fade. You're going to float off somewhere else. That's fine. That's what minds do. And then once you realize it, you go back and you go, oh, I've been thinking about something else. In breath one, mm-hmm. out breath one. And just come back to it. Um, and there is something really centering about that, at least for me personally. Um, yeah. And I'm I'd love to pretend that I'm really good at that and, and really <laughs> religious about doing it, and I'm really awful at it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but it is a tool in that tool belt, and, and there have been days that that's how I survived the day. Yeah. You know, and it isn't difficult to get information on it. You know, if you're someone who, yeah, if you're someone who you've never tried meditation and you just have a lot of unknowns about it, but you're feeling prompted to explore it a little bit. Oh my gosh, just one Google, right? And there's like a million (laughs) tutorials. So there's lots of information about there that people can very readily access to learn more about it and how it might be appropriate and useful for them. And there's one other thing I'd like to address on that because I I have seen, and I find this an interesting phenomenon, that sometimes communities of faith are actually resistant to ideas like that. But they feel, oh, you should just be able to pray and everything will be great. And, And I absolutely believe in prayer. I think that is absolutely a response. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, um, can be incredibly helpful and valid and all of that. 
but sometimes I think we need a real tool here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that isn't a being out there. You know, I've heard some meditation specialists talk about it as a technology. You know, it's an actual <laughs> um, process technology tool with a very specific goal, right? Which is obviously kind of the um, edifying of your mental space. And and I agree with you. Sometimes prayer for people is very loosely interpreted and very open, and it can be you know a million different things to a million different people. And yeah. sometimes it's nice to narrow that and get some specific instruction on this is you know this is a very specific way to practice meditation and to try it and see if it works. Right. Absolutely. What is your personal experience with and or your thoughts on medication? Um, I actually think it can be incredibly helpful. Um, There's, uh, I believe fully that there is um, uh, verifiable evidence that some people have a chemical imbalance in their brain Mm -hmm. um, that, that they need help with and that maybe they can fix that with meditation. Meditation actually can have similar effects to medication. But mm-hmm. I think um, especially if you're you're dealing with some kind of situational depression or some incredibly acute chronic depression issue, um, that you can't stop the cycle. You can't stop the circling. You can't stop the drain. Um, I absolutely 100% believe that medication can be helpful. I, I personally am on an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do believe in our society that we overprescribe. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we be, um, once again, responsible for our own health care. Mm-hmm. And my experience with that uh, uh, was actually very positive because I had a, uh, a doctor and a therapist who, who kind of worked in tandem to help me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started uh, with one particular medication and it didn't really do anything for me. So we went on to another one and then a third one and including actually trying multiple medications together mm-hmm. and different dosages. What was your timeline with that? Like how long did you have to try one before it was determined it wasn't effective and then you tried another one? Uh, you know, it takes a while to, for mm-hmm. medication to build up in your in your system. Sure. Uh, I, and I'm going to be probably wildly incorrect here, but... Uh, if I remember correctly, it was, you know, at least two weeks on each medicine oh, okay. to a month. It wasn't an enormous, it wasn't, you yeah, know, six months or something. Um, and, and probably if you stick one on one for six months, you will see a different response than I, than we did, but it was particularly acute at the time. Um, uh, so, so we went through a process where we would try this one for a month and mm-hmm. then I'd go back to the doctor and, you know, no, it's doesn't seem to be. Mm-hmm. helping that much. And, uh, the final one that we, we ended on actually the normal dosage actually made me nauseated. Mm-hmm. Like instantly I would take it and all day be like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think maybe there are things worse than depression, you know, being on, <laughs> on the verge of vomiting all day is one of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. So we, I talked with my doctor and we cut the dosage in half, which is literally half the recommended dosage, mm-hmm. lowest dosage. Mm-hmm. of that medication. But apparently I'm particularly susceptible and and my body responds to that medication. And uh, to me, for my experience, it, what that allowed me to do was just numb myself, mm-hmm. even myself out enough 
that I could take a breath, that I could actually sleep a night. Yeah. I, I know it's, I mean, I know that sounds so intense. It actually was pretty intense because I wasn't sleeping. I, I, I mean, two, three hours a night kind of thing. And it was, that's yeah. not where we should be as humans. I mean, that's uh-huh. not great for your physiology. Um, uh, and, and so it allowed me just to get a little piece of space. Yeah. And sometimes uh, in depression, that's what we need. I, I could, it evened me out and I could just kind of deal with it barely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do notice and have noticed with different medications that sometimes your happy isn't as high as it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was an easy trade for me for the low to not be <laughs> yeah. unmanageable. Was that strange for the people close in your life where they were used to what your extreme happy was and then to observe that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and like manic. when suddenly it wasn't the same, you know, was it hard for them to read you? Um, I, yeah, I would say there was some difficulty, especially for my wife. I mm-hmm. think that was a, a difficult thing, although she was very involved in the process. She knew mm-hmm. what I was doing, what we were, what the end goal was. And I think she felt very positive about it when she when the trough mm-hmm. was not, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm on fire in the pit of, you know, eighties <laughs> here and I can't get out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I think, yeah, there is a, there is a little bit of difference there. Um, so there's adjustment obviously for the yeah. actual person taking the medication, but and for certainly the, for the people in their circle too. And for the loved ones around them. Uh-huh. Yeah, there uh-huh. sure is. Um, so I do think medication can be really, really helpful, uh, but I do think you need to be responsible about it. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting the results that you want within the time that the doctors say this should, you should mm-hmm. feel, you should know something by this point, change the medication, change the dosage, yeah. pursue it until you find what works. Don't just try one and go, I hate, I give up. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and obviously I'm not a medical professional. You know, you need to discuss this with a physician um, and a therapist. Obviously, they can have side effects. There are all kinds of things that humans need to be aware of when they're taking a medication. So you know, yeah, pay attention to that stuff. Right. So be very intentional with yeah. your care and with the you know with your doctor. Okay. So in addition to medication, therapy, meditation. Yeah. Are there any other ways of living or any other strategies you develop that have been helpful? Um, regulating your sleep mm-hmm. is really important if you are an insomniac, and that's another area where I do think medication within limits can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are also some natural and homeopathic stuff, you know, melatonin. Mm-hmm. I do think that those you should talk to a doctor about that because... I think anything that you're putting in your body like that, you need to need to be intelligent about it. Sure. Um, uh, but I do think sleep, you know, kind of breaking the cycle of insomnia for me was important. Um, and a couple of others, I, I find that using creativity is part of it. If I will pour myself into a piece of work, for instance, if there's some trauma that I suffered or whatever, if I would make work about it. Even if it's never going to be seen or heard, mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's sometimes we need to make a piece of art that we really don't need to show <laughs> yeah. um, to the rest of the world. We can make it and go, cool, I got that out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then sometimes I think actually we should show those things to the world because I think that's where a lot of truth and great art come from. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that using that power that this thing has, if you can turn it to create creating something, mm-hmm. um, that there's something cathartic about that. And one other thing that I have noticed is that giving to others can be incredibly helpful mm-hmm. in depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally in the throes of depression, the last thing you want to do is help somebody else. You, you know what I mean? Uh, and I, I'm talking just very generally. I mean, volunteering at a soup kitchen, helping a kid learn guitar, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, helping a buddy move. You know, I, yeah. it, I mean, just the the very act of service, um, I think, can be a ladder out of the black hole. Yeah. Um, so, um, well, with or without depression, right? Service and giving to others has yes. a recognizable power in, yes. in just yeah. improving how you feel and who you are. I have found it's just inextricably connected to gratitude, you yeah. know, and gratitude is like the most powerful healer. And so if there are certain pursuits and things you can do where you're giving of yourself, helping other people, volunteering, and your eyes in that experience are opened to other people's needs and other people's situation and and therefore gives you more of a base of gratitude of what you have in your own life, right? There's just, there's something to be said about how powerful that is. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important to realize that we are all human um, and we all struggle. Every single human you encounter has some dark secret, has some terrible thing that has happened in their life, or they feel awful about mm-hmm. something they said, or I mean, every one of us, we all have issues. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real uh, tendency when you are depressed to think that you're the only one in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that struggles. And I do think that act of service can sometimes make you aware and, and sometimes, I think you're right, make you grateful mm-hmm. for what you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing I did want to mention about this is we're talking these grand gestures. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get therapy. I'm going to dance and get out <laughs> in the sun and exercise. And I'm going to yeah. do all these great things that are going to be so good for me. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the depressive mindset, too, is that when we finally determine that we're going to take action, we're going to take all the actions. Yeah. And that's just a setup for failure, mm-hmm. which then makes you more depressed. Sure. That's a really uh, interesting point. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I had someone tell me something really wise one time is to determine small steps. What is one thing that you could do this week? Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Don't fix anything. Go, I am going to read an article about mindfulness. <laughs> I'm not even going to yeah. try it. <laughs> I'm just going to read an article about it. Yeah. Make it a goal that you can't possibly fail at. Mm-hmm. One like thing. If you go, I am going to learn mindfulness this week and I am going to kick depressions, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you are not. You are going to be more depressed next week <laughs> than you ever were. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, really uh, being able to find some small thing, and I love the idea of something small that you can't possibly fail at. Yeah. You could Google mindfulness. You could Google 
Rwandan drumming. And (laughs) I mean, there's, and listen to some of that and see if it gets your blood pumping. I don't know. Um, I'm not trying to be too light about it. You know what I mean? Um, but I do think those small steps are really important. Yeah, no, that's great advice. That's great advice. So you've probably had a lot of people, um, maybe family, close friends who have um, been your audience to some extent to this condition and to this battle. Um, And I imagine a lot of them have been very helpful along the way. And and maybe we can shift the conversation here for a minute to those people and maybe just look for a moment from the perspective of someone who does not have depression, but they know someone who does and they want to be helpful. I think that's a great idea. And and I imagine there's lots of our listeners who, even if they have depression, probably know other people who have depression, right? We all know um, someone who is affected by this. And so there's wisdom in all of us being armed with some ideas about how to be supportive and encouraging. Um, you know, and as we're thinking about this, I, I'm just remembering right now an experience that, that I had not too long ago, maybe about five years ago now. So I have four children. And with all four pregnancies, I, would, I was diagnosed with this condition some people will know of um, called HG. And it's really horrific. It's just awful. And I had a very severe case of it with all four of my children. And so essentially what it means is that from the moment you're pregnant until you give birth, you feel like you've got the absolute worst case of food poisoning you can imagine. You know, you're just nauseated the entire time, throwing up close to 30 times a day, every day. You know, it's just so debilitating and limiting. It's just horrifying, really. Um, And after... Our fourth pregnancy, it was interesting. We started to find a lot of people, or they found us, who they were enduring a similar horror, right? And they would reach out and, you know, with these questions of how did you make it? How did you survive? (laughs) And some of those questions were for me, but a lot of them were for my husband. You know, how did you, some men asking my husband, how did you take care of your wife through this? How did you survive? It's a very heavy, heavy trial. How did you manage it? And I was listening one day to my husband as he was talking to another man who was, you know, was very recognizable to me. He was in that place of desperation. You know, how do I help my wife? How do we survive this? And my husband said something that I thought was really profound, and I think it relates to our conversation here today. But he looked at that man and he said, you know, there isn't a single thing you will be able to do to make it better, but there are a lot of things you can do to make it worse. And so your responsibility is just figure out what those things are and don't don't do do it. (laughs) Yeah, Figure out the wrong thing to say, the wrong expectation to have, the wrong, just the wrong mannerisms, the wrong interaction. Figure that out and avoid that. And I feel like maybe on some levels it's similar with depression. You know, if you have a close family member or friend and they are dealing with clinical depression, you can't fix that. You know, if right. this is a chemical imbalance, you no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you care about them, you alone cannot take that away. Yeah, no, you can't. And I think that's uh, what an um, amazingly astute observation Brent had there. He's a pretty wise guy. Uh, I do remember that time period. And I remember going, oh my gosh, this poor woman. I, I mean, I had, I had nausea for a couple of days with a, with an antidepressant. I was like, I'm done. You know? <laughs> it's it's a misery unparalleled, I think. But, but I don't know. I've never had what we're talking about today. So, yeah. you know, yeah. this too is obviously really serious. Well, um, no, I think that that's... Uh, 
Uh, a really, really good point. And, and as I was kind of, you know, preparing for this and, um, you know, Googling stuff to learn even more uh, about this wonderful topic, um, I came across an article that was was pretty good. It was from odysseyonline.com and it was 14 things people with depression wish you understood. Hmm. And I'm going to adapt and paraphrase, um, but I did think they had some astute observations. Um one thing is, is something we've already discussed is that um, depression, having depression, and feeling depressed are two different things. Mm-hmm. Feeling depressed is a really common human emotion. That mm-hmm. happens all the time. Uh, I mean, your dog dies, you're going to feel depressed, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. part of the human condition. Um, and uh, I, so I think it's important to realize that there is a clinical thing going on here with depression right. um, that is different than... I'm blue. Mm-hmm. Um, nearly every human being is going to suffer from feeling depressed at some point in their lifetime. Sometimes that's a natural response to grief. Sometimes it's a natural response to whatever aging, you know, yeah. health and health issue, any number of, of things that doesn't necessarily mean that you have clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think there's, there's truth in that. Um, for the person who is part of the support system, for someone who does struggle with depression, um, I think the things that you shouldn't say are really important. I think, um, you know, kind of flippantly saying, well, I feel depressed sometimes too. Man, yeah. thanks. It's really great. I know. I hate that. I hate that phrase. I know how you feel. <laughs> you don't. Don't say it. None of us know. Mm-hmm. None of us know the struggles that each person is is dealing with. And you can guarantee they're 10 times worse than you think. Yeah. Because let's face it, none of us open that up fully to mm-hmm. anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even our spouses, mm-hmm. the cl- people closest to us, mm-hmm. um, we don't even share that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, yeah, probably just don't say that. <laughs> would be, would be <laughs> I think good. Um, uh, I'm probably in that same vein. It's just so tacky, I think, to start suggesting, you know, treatments where it's like, well, you just need to go on a walk or you just need to, yes, you know, admire the flowers today or, you know, if you would just whatever it is, plug in whatever you want. I mean, it seems to just somehow dumb down what's really happening. Well, and to be honest with you, I think it feeds it. The if only you would statement mm-hmm. only makes it deeper. You're yeah. right. If only I would and I can't. Yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. it, once again, that if only you would do this, it would all be better statement. That's not a small step. Yeah. That's a if only you would fix yourself. Yeah. Well, this isn't something I can't fix myself. I can't, you know, just put a wrench in there and go click, 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 click. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm not depressed anymore in my entire life. That's not how that works. Right. Um, I think it's important um, for the folks outside uh, uh, of this particular issue to understand that we can't help it. Mm-hmm. That there is a there is a component that's really difficult, and so that we do need love and patience, we really do. And there are going to be times that we don't even take the small step, and it's going to be frustrating. Yeah. And and most of the time, we're beating ourselves up about that anyway. Mm-hmm. And so someone else beating you up for it too 
only digs the hole further. Yeah. And as I've listened to a few friends describe their experience with depression, it seems like it's not uncommon for that step not to be taken sometimes because of, you know, exhaustion. Absolutely. Just how fatiguing the condition is makes it very paralyzing. Yeah, it is. It is exhausting. Um, A lot of people with depression sleep a tremendous amount. I don't suffer from that one. <laughs> I, I, mine is attached to the opposite end, but that is very common. Um, and I think it's also important for people to realize that it's cyclical. There will be ups, there will be downs. It is unpredictable and that there's not always a reason why we feel this way. Mm-hmm. There are days that for the life of me, I can't find a reason why I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't nail it. I don't know what it is. And I'm one of those people that's always trying to find the reason in everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's one of the reasons this is such a struggle for me is that I can't solve it. I can't answer it. I can't, I can't go, Oh, cool. All I need to do is change the gauge on that string. Or, uh, all I need to do is, you know, make sure that vocal line is in tune, or I need a better color of red yeah. <laughs> today and whatever, you know, weird thing I'm working on. No, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't solve that. So n- sometimes not knowing a reason, once again, that's a pit for us yeah. is that we can't find the source. Um, uh, and a lot of times that's because it is clinical. It's a chemical. It's a, it's something in us that, that we need external help for. Yeah. So if you are loving someone who has depression and you're trying to be supportive, it's, I think, really healthy to remember not, not to be offended you know, if yes. you call and there's not a call returned, don't take that personally. Don't be offended by it. If you knock on their door and that door's not answered and you know they're home, don't be offended by it. There's a variety of reasons why that's hard to make that. Um, there's a there's a variety of reasons why it's hard to open that door, return that phone call, and it's not personal. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. And sometimes we just need space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know here we're sitting here talking about these solutions and saying, oh, you need community. And uh, yeah. but wait a minute, <laughs> I'm <laughs> not going to answer not. the door. And <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. There's not a there's not a, not a right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think just going, man, I'm I'm really sorry you're suffering from that. And I, I'm your friend. Yeah. You know, I have found that when you are a part of some kind of support team for someone with depression, it's really important to be um, patient You know, an understanding in a way where you don't understand, (laughs) you know, you just accept, I can't, you know, rationalize all of this. I can't understand why today they want me, tomorrow they don't want me. And you just have to be able to kind of roll with that. And because of how confusing it can be on the outside, it's important for those on the outside, take care of yourself too. Sure. You know, make sure that you're not giving everything you have in this one vein of life. I mean... Take care of yourself, too, so that you have the energy and the capacity to keep loving those around you. Absolutely. We really don't need a codependent caregiver. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, you're depressed. My life is terrible. <laughs> exactly. I, we don't, exactly. Ah, no. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, we all have that responsibility for ourselves, mm-hmm. ultimately, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there is one statement that, that I think um, I, I might like to punch the person in the face the next time I hear it, but... <laughs> Well, just think about something happy. You know what I mean? Um, You know, yeah, uh, shove it. (laughs) 
bite me because yeah. that that doesn't work and it's really not helpful. And I now know how wow. how little you truly understand what I'm going yeah, through. Yeah, so apathetic. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's so. Well, this is what I do, and I'm fine. Yeah. Um, and that stuff just doesn't work, you know. Um, I think understanding that that motivation is hard and that we do need to talk about it. So I think it's completely valid to go, hey, I noticed that, you know, you've been a little distant. Mm-hmm. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. I, think, I, th- I think handling it very matter-of-factly. Face-to-face, just say it. Say, hey, man, I know you struggle from depression. I'm not trying to pry. Mm-hmm. But I, I know you've been hard to get a hold of. You've been kind of dealing with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Open the door, just crack, you know, or knock on it. Mm-hmm. And if they go, no, I'm fine. I mean, maybe there's a fine line on on pushing that door open. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. I think it has to be done really judiciously. And and I think just as people, as humans, as we interact, we have to earn the right to push ourselves into other people's lives. Oh, for sure. I, I think that that's really important. And yeah, I think I as, agree. as caregivers, mm-hmm. you know, for other people, I'm just talking, you know, just as humans caring for each other, that, that we earn that right mm-hmm. to, you know, um, and we earn that right a lot of times in the darkest moments of life mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. where we earn it. Yeah. That's where we earn our stripes, you know, mm-hmm. is when somebody's mom dies or, you know, somebody's in a car wreck or, you know, um, those types of things. And so, um, I think that that's an important thing to remember. And, and stay close to them though, even when they are okay, when they're not in the depths of it, still stay close to them because when they kind of get to the point where they are again in the depths and they do have the courage and capacity to reach out to someone, it'll be the people they're familiar with. Yeah. It'll be the people that they yeah. have, you know, walked with day after day. They've trusted over It'll, years. You can't just show up when it hits and expect to be the savior of the moment. Yeah. You know, you have to be consistent in being present in their life through the ups and the downs. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, uh, 100%. Um, and once again, I think that that speaks to earning the right mm-hmm. to be yep, absolutely. Uh, an influence in someone's life. Um, I think it's important, and this was something in that article that I thought was really accurate, um, to recognize that the person who suffers from this is at war with themselves. Mm-hmm. There's an internal fight going on all the time, and we don't win it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, with support, love, um, sometimes uh, a, a lot of truth. I mean, you don't have to pussyfoot around this. It doesn't need to be, oh, honey, you know, sweetie, sweet, sweet, sweet. No, I can't stand that. Just mm-hmm. ask, mm-hmm. you know. Um, transparency, um, I think... Uh, you know, coupled with therapy, you know, maybe getting out in the mountains so we're dancing or pounding on some drums, <laughs> you know, might be a good idea, you know. Um, I, I think we can win battles. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the folks around us can help us win those battles. And in large part, like your husband said, by not, here's mm-hmm. the things not to do, because yeah. these are the things that will help them lose the battle today, Yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so I think that's important. Um the concept that we can just snap out of it. That's another one that I just like to slap somebody mm-hmm. for saying, cause it's not true. Um, and there are moments I think, um, where I recognize I've got responsibilities. I've got a business to run. I've got clients that I need to serve. And sometimes I've got to do that anyway. So as a person who suffers from this, 
anything that can help me do that and continue, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's just going through the motions. I mean, I have to get up, I have to go to a job, I have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's important. And so I think encouraging folks to do that, not in the way of if only you would go, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if only you'd get out of bed and go to work, <laughs> you know, you'd feel great. Yeah. The if only stuff doesn't work, but, but doing, you know, do encourage folks, mm -hmm. you know, to, to head towards those coping skills that are positive. Um, well, um, if you're listening to this, uh, as an artist and you d struggle with depression, um, I'm sure you fully understand how it can undermine, um, creativity. So we'd like to encourage you to reach out to people in your community for support uh, seek professional help, um, and make small steps towards managing this illness. Um, and hopefully you'll find a way to turn it into great art. If you are feeling like you're without a community, let me just provide a couple phone numbers again. I know we mentioned them in our last episode, but I'd like to restate them here that you can call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. There's someone available at all hours of the day or night. They're wanting and willing to sit and chat with you about what you're going through and how you're feeling and, and maybe help give you some direction in how you can manage the feelings you have. Or you can always text 741-741. And if you feel more comfortable communicating with someone via text rather than speaking, that's a really effective way also to just reach out and get the help you may need. Absolutely. Um, we'd like to thank you for listening today. Um, and uh, I'd really like to encourage you, turn this into art, make music, make film, write poetry. Um, there's something really healing there, and I, I hope to see it and hear it someday. Thanks. Thanks for sharing this conversation with us. We hope it helps with your journey. Live artfully. Outset is produced by Emily Wheeler and Scott Ferris, engineered by Christopher Reynolds, and recorded at the Amusement Park Recording Studio in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit OutsetPodcast.com.